welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. Uh, this is your host, Pauline Fromer. I'm so glad to have you along for the ride. And we're going to be discussing something very, very topical, which is how does one travel in the midst of a pandemic? It's something that I know about a little bit because I've traveled domestically. Uh, but joining me today is a real expert on this subject. His name is Angel Castellanos. And I see that, Angel, I think you've muted yourself. Can you unmute yourself so we can talk? Absolutely. I try to mute myself when you're talking. That way we don't get any. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't have to worry about oh, that. Oh, that's, that's cool. On this, on this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a call-in works pretty well for this. So welcome to the travel show, Angel. And Angel, I should say you have Angel's Lounge. You're a well-known travel expert, travel blogger. And I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you. It's, it's, it's so great to be with a like-minded traveler. I'm excited to do this. And uh, who doesn't love to talk about travel? And I'm lucky that I get to do it with you. So this is pretty great. Oh, well, thank you, Angel. So let's, let's, let's first set the scene. It's March 2020. The world pretty much shuts down. Everybody is told they need to stay at home. When did you start to realize that you could get out there again? When did you start traveling again? So for me, that was June of 2020. So I basically stayed at home for that length of time, isolating like everyone else. Where I live in California, we were one of the first states to shut down. Uh, I didn't see my family. So everything was the way it was supposed to be. And then I started to go stir crazy and figure and figure it out <laughs> that there were still some places that where I could travel that weren't locked down and that they were allowing Americans in. And that obvious choice for me was Mexico. There were direct flights to Mexico, so I didn't have uh, a layover situation. I could hop on a plane and two or three hours later be in sunny Mexico and uh, sort of experience uh, what Mexico was like during the pandemic. So I first chose Puerto Vallarta on the Pacific coast and then I went over mm -hmm. to the Yucatan and explored sort of the touristy areas of Cancun and Playa del Carmen just to see what you know, what this was doing to the tourism industry there and to self-isolate with a couple of other bloggers and travel people. So we, we did both hotels and Airbnbs just so I could tell the world what, what that was like and write, write some articles and, and do a right, couple of right. news segments about that. Well, before we get into it, I, I want to go back to Puerto Vallarta. So you... You've been holed up like the rest of us for four mm -hmm. months. You get on a plane, you go to Puerto Vallarta. What was your reception like there? I mean, people must have been thrilled to have a tourist. Oh, they absolutely were. Are you kidding me? Um, it, it seemed like people were going to kiss the ground that I walked on. I, I was <laughs> looked at as a unicorn or a Martian. People could not believe their eyes that there was an American that, that there in Puerto Vallarta, a gringo spending American dollars like they were used to, but it was an absolute ghost town. What I found were Mexican families 
enjoying、mm. their own holidays and、um, being out on the beach and sort of enjoying Puerto Vallarta in a way which they have never had the opportunity to do. Right. Well, you speak Spanish, so you were able to communicate with everybody.、Um, it, What were they telling you about what they had gone through for those four months? Well, it, it was certainly dark days, and and that was one of the first things that I noticed about traveling during the pandemic, is that I instantly had something that I could relate to、uh, to other people in different parts of the world about. They were going through the same things. They were isolating. They were suffering economically. They didn't know. Uh, how the world was going to end up, and so there was a lot of uncertainty at that time. But people were still taking the time to be together and sort of enjoy the, the fresh air. Right now, this、yeah. was back in June. What we knew was different than what、yeah. we know now. So, back at that point, what did you do not only to keep yourself safe? But to try to keep those you were in contact with safe. What did you and did you stay? You said you stayed in Airbnbs and hotels. You know, the, one of the interesting things we've reported on at Fromers. dot com is the explosive popularity of Airbnb over the course of this pandemic. Because I think a lot of people felt that staying in a place that didn't have A lobby <laughs> that didn't have crowded elevators was the safe thing to do, and so a lot of people who had never tried Airbnb before tried it for the first time. And right now, we did another article about the fact that it's now more expensive, on average, to go to Airbnbs than it is to go to most hotels.、Uh, did you find that in the course of the pandemic? Uh, I didn't find that Airbnbs were were expensive at the time, but it was sure, my、cause... first choice for sure. So in Puerto Vallarta, I definitely did choose an Airbnb first. So my first accommodation of the pandemic was an Airbnb. But in order to do some due diligence, I did go to different hotels to check them out, to eat there and whatnot, and just to sort of see what what.、Um, Safety measures were being implemented, and that actually gave me the courage to stay in a hotel in in my next destination, which was、uh, Playa del Carmen、um, on the other side of the country. But but what I found is that、right. that Mexico was, especially that region of Mexico, was taking the pandemic very seriously, and and、uh, there was this immediate、yeah. sense of. Um, not only community, but all of the safety measures were consistent. So they even had this funny practice in Mexico where they had this disinfectant water in front of the doorways, where you had to step in this disinfectant waters with your shoes and then step into the shop or wherever you were going. In addition to wearing your mask and hand sanitizers, so the, the、wow. you know it was the first place where I saw、huh. hand sanitizers absolutely everywhere. Wow! Wow! You know, it's interesting. I was in uh, Michigan. Uh, I guess maybe around June. Maybe I was when you were in Mexico. I was probably in Michigan, and I spoke with a hotel owner who told me about the incredible lengths they were going to to try and give each room of the hotel a hospital-like cleaning. As if each room were an an operating room,、mm-hmm. and so you know they had different、uh, 
cleansers they were using. They had they had all these protocols where nobody would go into the room, where they would leave the room empty for 24 to 48 hours before between guests. Uh, did you see those types of measures in, in Mexico as well? Well, I did notice that the government had implemented a rule about um, occupancy levels. And the first uh, hotel that I actually stayed at in Playa del Carmen was a Hilton-owned property. And they were only operating at about 20 to 30 percent capacity at the time. So it was guaranteed that wow. the room that I was staying in had not been occupied. And it just seemed like that the hotel was empty. So anytime I wanted to go to the upstairs pool with my friends, there was there was nobody around us, really. So it was as if we, we had this hotel property all to ourselves. And back to um, Puerto Vallarta, when we would go out to lunch or something like that, um, I don't know if it was a local rule, but... You know, they certainly sat us completely away from from other tables. So we, we could already start to see what would become common practice now, you know, two years later almost. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you were in Mexico at first, and then where did you so go So then next? in the fall, uh, I decided to venture out and Europe was still um, locked down to Americans at the time, but Turkey uh, was not. And Turkey is, is a fascinating country to me. I'd been there before, but I hadn't been to um, the different parts of the country. And I thought, well, why not take a road trip? Everyone is talking. We'd done road trips in America that summer. So why not do a road trip throughout Turkey? So I flew to Istanbul via Doha, actually. And I flew on Qatar uh, mm. Airlines, which, of course, has amazing safety protocols. And I was a little nervous about taking a flight with a layover. But, you know, in the end, it was fine. Uh, and so I spent uh, about two and a half weeks exploring Turkey. So not just Istanbul. I definitely got out of the big city and headed out to the countryside. Wow. Where did you go? What did you see? So I, I, I actually uh, flew from Istanbul to Izmir and then did a road trip from Izmir all the way down to Antalya. So seeing, you know, Ephesus and a lot of the, the sites of St. Paul, but um, really sticking along the coast. And uh, so you say you saw Ephesus and the sites of St. Paul. What did you see of, of modern Turkish culture? I mean, was it more open to you, do you think, because of the pandemic and the lack of tourism, or was it less? It was definitely more open, especially um, in Istanbul, which receives, you know, so many visitors throughout the year. But the Hagia Sophia at that time had just been converted into a mosque. So right. Well, give the background of the Hagia Sophia if you don't mind for people okay. who don't know. Well, the Hagia Sophia is uh, one of the main architectural highlights of the of the country, and it was you know yeah. originally built by Emperor Justinian. Uh, it became a, a you know a mosque uh, when uh, the Ottomans uh, came in, and uh, after World War One, it was declared that this was going to be. Um, just a, a site for, for all people to enjoy. So it wasn't an operating church or a mosque uh, for, you know, 80-something uh, years, right? 
But originally, when Emperor Justinian built it, he built it as a church, oh, right? Uh, oh, a Christian oh, oh, church. Oh, absolutely. And there's fantastic yeah, okay. mo mosaics that you can see. Some yeah. of them have unfortunately been covered up, but um, it, it's it's just a phenomenal building that is the true crossroads of East and West, in in my opinion. Oh yeah, it's it's spectacular. And now under Erdogan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's back to being a mosque, which is it was controversial when that happened because um, y you know uh, their Ataturk was the great leader of Turkey who wanted to make it a secular society and really bring it more in line with Europe, and it seems like Erdogan is going in a different direction. He's trying to make it a much more Muslim society or Islamic society. Yeah, I mean, there's. A, a... I'll, I guess I'm free to say that, in my opinion, he's going, you know, backwards in a in a completely different direction. You're right, but it when I was there, that was the big news event, and there were not only hundreds of people inside of Hagia Sophia, but there were hundreds and hundreds of people outside. Something that I had never witnessed before, because the last time I was there, it was wow. it was a museum as Ataturk had yeah. for it to be. Right. My God, a crowd in the middle of the pandemic. Didn't that make you nervous? It, it made me absolutely nervous. Uh, you know, people were, were, were masked up, I would say, you know, um, very casually, I would say maybe one out of three people were, were masked up. But um, it was uh, pretty nerve wracking to see that many people in such a small space, to be honest. Yeah. Wow. No, what a time to be there when that that transition happened. I guess it was a time of, of celebration for the folks who really wanted it to be a mosque again. Yeah. Well, the last time I was in Turkey, um, uh, Khashoggi uh, had just gone missing. <laughs> so that huh. was uh, another uh, different time, different story. Wow. Wow. Well, you said that. So that that was happening at the Hagia Sophia. What else were you able to see of of the culture there? Well, because I was taking a road trip from Izmir to Antalya, I was able to see a lot of the the different seaside towns um, that some you you could just swear if you closed your eyes and squint hard enough, you you could be in either Turkey or Greece. Um, and it was mm. nice for me as as a lover of Mediterranean culture to have this vacation where I could could socially distance and still do outside activities. We did some pretty cool walks on the Lycian Way. And I noticed that once I got out of cities like Izmir, Istanbul, and Antalya, you know, the, the COVID rules became very, very relaxed. You know, if if somebody would, would see me walking huh. into your sh their shop, they would you know, struggle to find a mask or something like that. So it was a completely different experience hmm. of COVID protocols than I had experienced in, in Mexico. I remember being in Istanbul um, during sunset time, looking over, over the Golden Horn at a bar. And, and again, I felt uncomfortable because this was October 2020. And there were hundreds of people my age <laughs> crowding this rooftop bar that was really popular, you know, where, where COVID didn't exist at that time wow. to them. Ha, huh, very interesting. 
what a time to be there. Were the museums open? Were you, or did you mostly see things that were outdoors? I mostly stuck to things uh, that were outdoors. The mosques were open. The, the different churches were open. Hammams were open. I really didn't go into any museums. For example, we went down to uh, the birthplace and where St. Nicholas was, was the bishop of the small town in, in Turkey there, and that was open, and we, and we did see tour groups come through, mostly Russian and Eastern European tour groups come through, but that was that was mm. um, pretty much the the length of our um, sightseeing. It, it was mostly outside, and and that's the beauty of that part of Turkey is you have you know amphitheaters and and lots of really great walks and hikes, and and we did go to the national park that has unfortunately burned since we were there uh, during their great fires Ooh, and that's, that's that was pretty right. sad to see on the news but i was certainly happy that i went to um pamukkale is is another outside destination that was just absolutely stunning where they have these very bright white stones that uh just glimmer i mean it looks like snow from the distance but then you you get up close and it's it's actually a type of stone and uh, it's it's amazing, huh? And and so the whole town is—I've never been there. The whole town is paved in that. No, it's 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 kind of this uh, geological area. The, the town underneath it certainly benefits from from the tourism, but you you go and you walk and you can you know bathe yourself in some of the calcite mud and or you can you know take really cool pictures for your Instagram. But it's just one of those things where you think you're on a different planet because it's the, the whole surrounding is, is white. Huh. Wow. Oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds very cool. Okay. So after Turkey, so this was, now this is when, what that was Octo- October, 2020. Okay. October 20. That's when I had COVID actually. Did you, <laughs> yeah. Did you ever in the course of your wanderings get COVID? I did not. And I was curious about this. I took an antibodies test. I insisted on having one, even though my doctor at the time just was like, you're you're crazy. I was like, no, but I've been on planes and I've been to these countries. There's no way I don't have COVID. And I thought I was one of those asymptomatic people, but it turns out I never had COVID. Wow. Everybody I know is getting it right now. It's been crazy how how this strain seems to be just hitting everyone. Uh, so after Turkey, where'd you go? So in uh, early 2021, I decided to go to more of Latin America because Europe was still closed down. So there, there, was, a, there was a handful yeah. of countries that were accepting American travelers, and it just seemed super easy to go to Latin America. So I started with Costa Rica, another country that was hit so hard with with the lack of tourism. And I've been choosing destinations Mm. all along the way that had a combination of outdoor activities, but also had pretty strict COVID policies already in place. Right. Well, it doesn't surprise me that Costa Rica did that. We we have an article right now up on Firmers.com on the safest places in the world. And we have Costa Rica as the safest in Latin America because their healthcare system is so damn good. They now have a longer life expectancy in Costa Rica than we have here in the United States. 
uh, because they have such good medical care. So I think that's a smart place to go in the middle of a pandemic. You know, that doesn't surprise me that you say that about their healthcare system, because uh, when I was in San Jose right before picking up my car to head out to the different coasts and volcanoes and things that I wanted to see, I walked by a hospital that was across the street from the ATM. And sure enough, they had public sinks set up outside for people to wash their hands. They had a public sanitation Mm. um, station. And they also had like a nurse who acted almost like a town crier, encouraging people to wash their hands, sanitize, and he was handing out masks to as many people who would take them. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. All right. So where'd you go in, in Costa Rica? So in Costa Rica, I, I first visited the Arenal volcano. Um, I did, I did that mm-hmm. hike. I stayed at the base of the Arenal. Some pr- no longer active. It was active when I went the first time, but I think it's, it's dormant now, right? I don't know. One morning I could swear <laughs> I could see some smoke coming out off, off mm. the top. I didn't, I don't know if that was Mr. Clouds, but Um, you know, it's, it can be hit the, the very top can be hidden for some time. And one morning it was just out there and I swear I saw some white coming out of it. But, um, I, I did the hike at the volcano, uh, and there's some really great hotels in that area. So if you're into spas and animals and and things like that, it is a wonderful, um, area to visit. And then I headed over, um, down to the West coast uh, to the, um, Tamarindo region. I have a, mm. I have a friend who owns a, a really cool eco lodge. So I stayed in, in, in not a very big town in Costa Rica before heading down a little bit further south. What town? What um, town? I forget the. Oh, <laughs> the... I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stump you. So when you were in Costa Rica, this is January, February of 2021? It was February, yeah. February. And were other people traveling at that point? Absolutely. I mean, that's not. Yes. No, no, oh, absolutely not. No. Not yet. Okay. No, it was, wow. it was still pretty empty. I, I still felt like I was uh, in a place that had zero tourism. And that really gave me the opportunity to talk to um, a lot of different people that I would normally not have the chance to have in-depth conversations with. You know, there were, I, I found out some workers in different hotels, they, they were volunteering their their time to come into the hotel, sort of spruce it up, but also take care of the animals. A lot of these properties have animal sanctuaries attached to them or some kind of partnership. Uh, so there's uh-huh. nobody around to feed the animals because everybody's been laid off. So a couple of key employees would volunteer mm. to come in and feed the animals. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. That's the thing about Costa Rica. It's 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 just if you love nature, if you really want to see coatees and monkeys and incredible dense jungles, uh, it can't be beat. It's just such a gorgeous, nature rich destination. Uh, how long were you there for? I was there for about uh, two and a half weeks. I wanted to go to Nicaragua as well, but um, Nicaragua was in a very difficult place when it comes to COVID and also um, getting in and out Mm -hmm. of Costa Rica 
wasn't very easy. And also at the time, there were no flights direct to the United States from Nicaragua. So that really sort of eliminated huh. that because on the on the West Coast, you can easily get over the border to Nicaragua and, and kind of have a two for one holiday. But COVID, of course, complicated everything. And I really couldn't make that happen. So, so I, I went further next? south uh, in the country. Um, I, I ended up in Manuel Antonio. Actually, that was my final destination in um, in Costa Rica. Wow. And that's usually the most crowded part of Costa Rica because it's one of the few parts of the country that has both beach and rainforest. So you can have a, you know, a wide variety of experiences there very quickly and easily. But once again, you were all alone? Yeah, yeah. My, my hotel was, was pretty much empty. And what, what I found is that the Costa Rican hotels had to resort to almost a two-tier price system to um, have local tourism. Uh, they were really dependent on local tourism. And the good news was is that the locals mm. were stepping up and sort of taking advantage of, of the lack of crowds and the, the local prices. So everyone I met inside of the hotel was a local. They, there weren't people from Germany or California or New York wow. or, or wherever. It was, it was all locals for sure. Um, you, you mentioned rainforest and I actually did go up to Monte Verde, which is uh, a well, yeah, ah, which is the cloud, cloud forest. forest. And, and that was really nice. Well, what's the difference? I didn't make it to Monte Verde. Can you tell you're in a cloud forest versus a rainforest? Um, yes, because it's misty quite, quite often. And, uh, like I had oh. trouble flying my drone, for example, to, to, to get footage for social media because, um, it, it just, be, my drone got super wet at, when I would take it to altitude. So the, the clouds <laughs> roll in. And if, if you're into time-lapse photography, that's the place to do it. Because when the clouds roll in and out of that region, it's spectacular. Mm. Oh, wow. No, I, I was... Sad that we didn't get to, to go the last time I was there. I'm def definitely a country I want to go back to. Uh, such a fascinating place because it's really tiny, but it has all these different ecosystems. So you can see, you, it, get great variety on a pretty short vacation there. Absolutely. Um, all right. So after Costa Rica, where where to? Uh, Dominican Republic. And, um, you know, I have a lot of friends from the East Coast uh, who love the Dominican Republic. I have Dominican friends. And to their shame, I've never I'd never been to the Dominican Republic. So I said, oh, um, wow. why not? Um, they have some pretty great uh, resorts there. There's some pretty interesting history. So let's do it again. Unfortunately, from L.A., there, there are no direct flights. Uh, from um, Los Angeles to Santo Domingo or Punta Cana. So I had to, you know, do a layover in, in Miami. And um, compared to California at the time, in the first quarter of 2021, Florida was still sort of the Wild West. So Florida was operating under different rules and in the, even in the airport than well, Los Angeles. Yeah, they're governor. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I, I did feel that was the most uh, nerve wracking part of the trip, to be truthful, is, is my layover in Miami. Uh, because once I got again to, to this fantastic country where everyone was on the same page, the the protocols came from the top down and it just seemed like there was like a community spirit 
uh, there that everyone made me feel safe. And I could tell that everyone was grateful that I was there. But uh, as a tourist, they were grateful that I was following their rules as well. So it was the first destination sure. where my COVID test was at my resort as opposed to a private clinic or something like that. So, Oh, smart. Yeah. So they really, they really had it together. Well, it's, it's a place where tourism is king. I feel very badly for the DR because right before COVID, you may remember there, there was this big scandal where some tourists died and, and the, uh, the press felt that it must be poisoned alcohol at the resorts. And actually our FBI went in, researched it, did a, did a huge investigation and found that those tourists died of natural causes. But that word never got out. So in the year before COVID, they had no tourism. So they've had a longer stretch than than most of the Caribbean in terms of, of depressed tourism numbers. Yeah, I Just mean, that, that's very true. And, and I could hear it in, in everyone that I tried to hire at the time, whether it was my local guide in Santo Domingo or my driver, you know, taking me to the airport or, or picking me up. Um, you know, there was just this combination of both gratitude and uh, almost desperation that, that they wanted the Americans to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure people will. I, I think the key to it is doing what your resort did and making it easy peasy uh, to, to get your tests. I think there's a, a chain called Sandals and they have a sister company, Beaches, and they've been very smart. They're giving people tests. They're giving people free health insurance, which leads me to my next question. Did you have insurance when you were traveling to all these places? Absolutely. Uh, backing up to the Costa Rica, you know, you have to have, at the time, special insurance to travel to the country. Just in case you got COVID, you'd be covered with this umbrella policy. So I... I actually didn't get uh, the, the normal yearly membership uh, travel insurance that I get where I pay for a policy hmm. that covers me all year. But I actually paid the extra expense to not only take out a policy for each trip, but take out the necessary policies um, that would cover me in case I got COVID. Wow. Yeah, you, you really need to do it. It's interesting. And also uh, tr tr travel insurance has finally caught up with the pandemic at the beginning of the pandemic, most policies wouldn't cover you in the case of a pandemic. Uh, yeah, uh, I remember now that. most do, thank goodness. So it's it's uh, that industry had to had to play catch up. Uh, so when did you finally get to Europe, or I finally, back to yeah. the rest of Europe? Yeah, I beyond finally, Turkey, I finally got to Europe. Uh, I believe I left June first. I left California June first, and they announced in late May that they were opening up. And I arrived in, uh, in Rome um, June 2nd, and I couldn't believe what, what I was seeing. I, I was seeing a city that I had traveled to all of my adult life completely empty, just completely void wow. of mass tourism. Uh, and it, it, was, it was shocking and depressing and emotional, and, and it was beautiful at the same time because I was seeing for the very first time Romans actually enjoy their own city because the sun was out, you know, the things huh. were, were open. And, and at the time there were still uh, a curfew in Italy and there were still some 
uh, restrictions that I hadn't experienced in my own country that throughout the length of my trip eventually lifted. So I was seeing firsthand Italy open up before my very eyes. Wow. Did you find, uh, it's been very interesting updating our guidebooks because certain countries, the government really stepped in and tried to shore up businesses. So, for example, our Paris guide is changing very little because most of the restaurants and hotels we covered were able to get loans from the government and they're going to still be in business. Whereas other destinations, like my, I wrote a book on New York, I, I lost a third of the hotels in the book. I lost a third of the restaurants. You know, that it was great um, changeover. Um, what did you find in Italy? Well, uh, there were some, I don't think the government is doing the extent that the French were doing because several businesses were, were closed down. And Florence is, is one good example that I love to give people because if you go to the Ponte Vecchio, the, the old ancient bridge that's you know full of gold shops now and, and things like that, sure. uh, a lot of those businesses are closed. And my favorite mm. pizza place in the Altro Orno in, in Florence, um, in, you know, normally I don't like to get pizza in Florence. It's not a pizza town, but there is one sure. spot. And those guys closed while I was there. I was their last customer yeah. on their very last day. They just could not afford to stay in Florence anymore. And what does that, what does that tell you when wow. a pizza place in Florence is closing down? Yeah, yeah terrible no it's been it's been quite the ride and to be in florence without tourists that's something that hasn't happened in centuries you you read em foster uh, you know and their heroines mm. go to florence and are complaining about the crowds and that's you know the 1890s or so yeah uh, you know with without the, without the students and without mass tourism it just became a, a different city and i'll tell you that for the first time in my life i was able to walk up to the ticket office at the Uffizi Gallery, just walk up, no line, purchase a ticket, and immediately cross the street and walk right into the Uffizi Gallery. That is absolutely wow. unheard of. And, and probably see it without having to peer over people's shoulders. You got to see the, uh, the great uh, Botticelli's there probably in an empty room. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was there for um, the, one of their big holidays and, you know, they had fireworks and, and everything like that. And and there was a lot of joy in the city, but it, that joy was, was only for the locals because nobody else was there. I, I also happened to be in Florence the day um, all of the um, major restrictions were lifted. And I'll, uh. I'll never forget for the rest of my life the sunset there. Uh, just off of Piazza Michelangelo, up on the hill, where you can see all of Florence and the Duomo, and just this huge applause that erupted from from all the kids and stuff uh, on the steps there. It was it was an amazing emotional moment. Wow! And you also went back to Italy in November, something you've never done before. You usually go in in higher season. What was it like recently? 
It was a pretty much the same uh, in terms of the lack of, of uh, mass tourism in the cities. But where I was in Tuscany happened to be full of Americans. I think the word had gotten out and uh, people were tired of mm. being in their homes. And I ran into... Right. Many more Americans in Tuscany in November than I had in Rome, Florence, Milan, Bologna in June, July, and August. Well, it's going to be interesting. Omicron, uh, knock wood, it seems like it's a milder uh, illness, uh, but it's so damn infectious. I, I know somebody, actually a person on our staff at Fromer's, was supposed to be going home to Arkansas to visit his family and then to Puerto Rico and got it. I had to cancel. Mm, um, what's your advice going forward? And we'll, we'll end on the, on your advice, Angel. Okay. Well, my advice is to definitely do your research ahead of time. Make sure you, uh, you as a traveler understand the requirements for getting into the country. Those changes come fast and furious. So the only sites that I really advocate for are the official government sites, whether it's the French government, the, the, the State Department or something like that. That way you're hearing it from the horse's mouth. And to sure. keep tabs on all of your emails and communications and Twitter feeds from, from the airlines as well, because in my experience, sometimes they're pretty good about sending out emails uh, when it comes to very quick changes. Um, also, travel insurance, we mm. covered that. That's an absolute must. And and when, when you go to a yeah. foreign country, whether you're in Tanzania like I was or, or wherever, you have to follow the local rules. And if your personal rules of health and safety and social distancing are, are greater than the local rules, don't be ashamed to, to mask up if, if nobody else is. Uh, I think at the end of the day, right. it's, it's your own vacation and your own health, and only you're responsible for that. So you might as well stay safe and follow all of the health precautions. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Angel. And thank you all uh, for listening either here on call-in, and uh, I will be back here next Thursday at 6 p.m., so please come join me then, uh, or on the other uh, channels that hear this uh, website. And thank you, Angel. It was always a delight speaking with you. Yeah, I can't wait to see you on the road. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, to those who are traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage. See you next week. Ciao, ciao. Watching K.